Hello and welcome to Rich Chang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Rich Chang. My guest this week is Lauren Laverne. Uh, if you're enjoying these podcasts, there's lots of ways you can help us out, but one is just to come down and see it if you are in London or near it by. Uh, we kind of try and do some of them elsewhere. There's uh, one coming up in York at the end of July if you're in the Yorkshire area, so do look out for us. But they're mainly in London just because of economic reasons that we have no money. Uh, so go to the Leicester Square Theatre website and you can buy tickets to the remaining shows. We've got some fantastic guests coming up, like Graham Linehan and uh, Russell Kane and Tim Minchin, Sophie Hagen, and some people we haven't yet booked. So even I don't know who's coming. So... Go to lessquaretheatre.com. If you can't do that, go to gofasterstrike.com slash badges and buy a badge, either monthly or one-off, and that would be lovely. Thank you. Here's Lauren Laverne and me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who yesterday was at a baby disco. It's all right, he's got a baby. It's allowed. Please welcome Richard Herring. <laughs> Thank you very much. Welcome, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Or as I was at a break dancing competition on Saturday, it was, uh, down uh, down under the uh, and the National Theatre and those places down there. They, where the, and the cool kids there were calling it rehearsal place. So I don't know about oh, I don't know about that. So yeah, I was uh, yesterday. I was uh, a baby. We took. I'm, I've got a baby, so it's all right. I've, I've reproduced finally in my life and uh, um, I've got a 16 month old baby um, we took it to a baby disco it was very exciting it was good, a lot of fun but you can really only go if you've got a baby that's the thing if you turn up without I'm not sure they'll let you in if you don't have a baby so it's worth having a baby to be able to go to the baby disco because it's a lot of fun uh, seeing them dancing around uh, but uh, so I enjoyed that I'm, I'm not strange uh, and oh and this week I've been to I was also invited to Westminster Abbey I live a life, don't I? What a life I have. You must, you must envy me. After, it was an after hours, uh, Westminster Abbey. It's like Hollyoaks after hours. It's all, just, it's all a bit sexy. The choir boys come out. It all goes sweet. <laughs> and just sing stuff. What are you thinking? And I was shown around uh, Westminster Abbey with uh, Sherry Blair was there. It was for Scope, who I'm a patron of. It's a charity. And she's also a patron. But it must be weird for Sherry Blair going around Westminster Abbey because they've got all the, you know, the dead prime minister's there, commemorating. You kind of think, well, one day you'll be in here when you commemorate, unless he gets taken to Strasbourg and <laughs> executed <laughs> for war crimes. She'll be in there in the Westminster Abbey. I saw her do a little jig over the spot where Tony Blair's gone. I might just have imagined that. Uh, but you can't actually can't be buried in Westminster Abbey anymore. That's they don't put people's bones in there anymore. That I was very, I was very. The last person who was buried in there is the unknown soldier from 1920. And no one knows who he is, but he's in there. And uh, uh, so I was not. I'd quite like to be buried in Westminster Abbey. So I think I might. I might just, when I feel like I'm about to die, like an elephant returned to the elephant graveyard, I'm just going to sneak in there one night and kind of climb into Edward Longshanks' tomb and hide in there. No one will know where they'll be in there. Or I thought I could be buried as the unknown comedian. I mean, it's, it's not an anonymous thing. It'd just be Richard Herring. That I know. We just put one bloke in. No one knows. Uh, anyway, uh, and uh, if, you, uh, if you skip the intro, because that bloke on YouTube... 
uh, puts in the time that the show actually starts. Oh, actually, he usually skips this bit as well. Uh, you come, <laughs> do, please help us uh, f uh, film uh, this uh, series by going to www.gofasterstripe.com/slash badges and giving us a quid or two if you think uh, this podcast is worth anything to you at all. Uh, and I'm also on tour uh, coming up soon next year with a new show called The Best. But enough about me, enough of my yakking. We've got uh, a very exciting guest for you uh, today. She is probably best known as the narrator of 99 Ways to Lose Your Virginity. <laughs> I can only think of three. <laughs> Will you please welcome Lauren Laverne, ladies and gentlemen. It's Lauren Laverne. Come in. Sit down here. Sit down, pick up a microphone. You've got to talk it slightly. It's like the old days. You've got to talk okay, into the microphone. yeah. Hi, everyone. Hey, thanks oh. for coming. Lauren Laverne, if that is your real name. No, it's no, not. No, it's not. It's a stage name. That's very exciting. So tell us about 99 ways. Do you remember 99 ways to lose your virginity? <laughs> and, and can you list all 99? Vaguely. I think I tried about 63. Um, yeah, no, I, I do remember it. Yeah. I think just a voiceover job, that one, yeah. as far as I recall. <laughs> In the, the halcyon days of um, all that kind of... Uh, where a, a lot of that sort of satellite TV of the 90s, yeah. which for me, it's, I, I remember very fondly and is where I kind of cut my teeth and, and learned how to present and also do voiceovers. Um, that, that's all gone now, you know, like the kind of uh, UK plays yeah. and, and, and so forth that we had. There was, there was plenty of that kind of work around then. And now I think it's, it's sort of a shame. Obviously, you've got a lot of kind of online possibilities but I, I kind of look around and I think oh well where do you learn to, to present when you're 25 you know there's no kind of pop world no you've got to set this up yourself exactly. and do this this, yeah. is, this is what I've decided to do yeah uh, it's, <laughs> and you said there's also you suggested this one which I didn't take up you're in you did a show which I couldn't find it was called select select a bow oh yeah well I was saying to, to Richard that um yes if you did want to introduce me as I don't think it is actually on the internet um I can't <laughs> say I've looked that hard to be fair <laughs> But it was a gig I did called Selectable, which I think dates it perfectly. It was a dating show. Um, you already know when it was, 2001 show. And um, it just was a job that involved me. I can't really remember what the logic behind this was, but it was me traveling the length and breadth of the country in the nation's longest limousine, right? So like at first, me and the, the crew that filmed it, we were like, we're not going in the limousine, we'll feel like dicks. And then obviously, you literally last about 20 minutes, and then you're like, we're gonna go, it's so roomy, we're gonna go in there, it's so roomy. <laughs> and like, this was pre kind of Twitter and the internet. So there was a lot of sort of being bored on the road when you were tri driving between towns. And uh, me and one of the girls on the program developed a game where we'd put one of the same pair of shoes on each. So I'd take a left, she'd take a right. All the windows were tinted, and then we'd just put one leg <laughs> out of each window. So people would be like driving along the motorway and just went, whoa! <laughs> when they kind of went past us, just for fun. Yeah, and that's probably better than the actual show. That, that, just that joke. <laughs> that was, well, they should have made that the show. No, was, do you know what? Responses. Yes, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was quite a time. What a time it was to be alive. So I've had a lot of fun today looking back because you know this is you're a very young woman still but you've got a very long career because you started as a literally as a tiny child literally as a, like I look back now and it's <laughs> terrifying I think why you know what were and and how different times were yeah. to be a teenage girl in the music industry then uh, was yeah wow 
Um, so yes, no, started uh, off in the band when I was 15, so I'm 38 now. So. Right. Yeah, so been at it a while. I was watching Kaniki videos, and it's they're, they're very charming. I mean, it's it's a little bit of nostalgia of the '90s, it has to be said. And it's but it's a, it's good music, but also it's it's a band of well, three girls and your brother. My brother. Uh, we got engaged yesterday. Oh, I thought you'd look at him in those videos. I thought you would never get. <laughs> 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 but uh, I mean, it's, it's it's coming to his own. It's, but then you're very, uh, you know, you're young girls, but you're very normal-looking girls, really. I think it's yeah. fair to say, but very pretty girls, but very normal-looking girls. Yeah, which I don't know whether you would get that in, in body type terms as well. You know, it's just it's that you're not uh, X-factored up, and it's a sort of punk band, isn't it? Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, we were. Well, it was funny because obviously we we came out of not obviously, but we came out of a, a kind of underground sort of punk scene in the northeast. And when we were offered a record deal, I kind of thought it would be like, does anybody remember the opening titles to the Jetsons, right? Where you kind of, you know, you get put on a conveyor belt and then like cool stuff would come down and then they'd change your outfit and then you'd be like, you know, make your hair pink and it would just be really awesome. And the, the discovery at that point, which has been consistent throughout my career, is that you then sit down in the room and it's just like a dude going, so what do you want to do? And, you know, you have to kind of make it up. So yeah. we were obviously just sort of doing our best and, and working out who we were, really. Yeah, yeah. We, and it's a funny thing to navigate that now. I think I've only really had a, a clear view on that time in recent years. Because yeah. it was, I mean, as much as it was tons of fun, it was it was great. It was quite a odd way to spend your kind of 16 to 21, I think, when, when the band broke up. Like, that's a very weird time to, to be doing something like that where yeah. you know people are going hey can you make some more definitive statements and you're just like sure <laughs> like you don't know anything you know but it looks like i mean there's a lot of, it's fun music and you know i can imagine lots of indie boys were falling in love with you everywhere you went and boys girls yeah all sorts yeah, yeah. must have been must have been quite good fun uh, wish I'd been in a pop band. It would have been good. Uh, it wouldn't have been a very good band. Uh, but, but so, how did it become? How did this? Because you were at school. You met at school or different colleges. You well, met the other girls. Yeah, we were friends from school, and then uh, I think in the sum the GCSE summer. You know that really long one where you stop going for ages, and you just like we we just went to loads of parties and gigs and stuff, and we were at a party in uh, just outside Newcastle. Uh, in a place called Morpeth, a house party, and we bumped into some um, people from a, a local label. Right. And we kind of talked about having a band. We hadn't done anything about it. You know, we were just like, yeah, we should get a band. It'd be really cool. And uh, obviously, when they said, oh, we, we run a label, actually, we were like, yeah, we, I've got a band, we've got a band, and didn't. Um, <laughs> so then they went like, oh, well, well, we'll have a demo for you. And then it was like, shit! <laughs> so we went home and my brother who had been uh, he'd had his first four track when he was nine you know so was ever the studio nerd is now doing his PhD in, in engineering and in music production and stuff and uh, he um, he recorded our demo and originally we called him the, the name my name Lauren Laverne and his name which in the band was Johnny X they yeah. were just what I put on the poster because we thought we ended up they said you can do a gig we were like shit write some songs we had, you know it's like all very rapidly constructed and the names I just put on the bottom of the poster right and then we kind of fly posted it around town to advertise this gig that like three people obviously went to <laughs> we thought it was going to be massive and um 
And so that's where my name So we just, you just made up a name? We didn't know who would drum for us, so we kind of put, oh, Johnny X, like whoever drums. And then obviously <laughs> ended up being my brother Pete's name for like the next, you know, 15 years or whatever. And still some, some many quarters of the internet. He's like, yeah, thanks very much for that. Thank you. <laughs> but you're still called Lauren Rudevern. It's I your am, actual yeah. name. So. It's, just, it's weird. Well, now it's funny because the kids actually take the piss out of us. They'll, they'll call us it in public. They know I hate it in public when they say it. Because I'm like, it's mummy! It's mummy! <laughs> but my little one thinks it's Devern, so he doesn't even get it right. He's like, Lauren Devern. He's <laughs> fine. I'm like, I think David Baddiel told the story. I think he told it on this podcast, but he was in his show anyway, where he was uh, changing his daughter. Sometimes calls him David Baddiel. <laughs> he was changing his daughter's nappy in the gents' toilet. And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> just in the clothes thing and she went David Baddiel was <laughs> the little girl's voice coming uh, <laughs> no absolutely like zero ego as far as kids are concerned the D-G-A-F who <laughs> you are mate so yeah so you're from Sunderland my family from Middlesbrough so obviously we're kind of mortal enemies really. we're supposed to be rivals yeah, that's right, right. Yeah. and Newcastle we don't like we don't like anyone from near like, <laughs> though I'm not really from Middlesbrough so I'm going to let it slide uh, how did you feel uh, about the Barnes Park restoration? Did you, do you think it's the Barnes Park restoration? Yeah. Absolutely thrilled. Grew yeah. up opposite Barnes Park, and right. I think um, it's a beautiful park. There's a lovely bandstand. Yeah. The pond. It. it had a stream running into it, which had become blocked. Right. So I was absolutely delighted. Also, our Diane's living over that way oh, really? now. So with the band, she got to make make good use of it. You know, with it, with baby Ruth. So is, the, is there a cannon in there as well? Have you seen the cannon? Of course, I've seen the cannon. Yeah. yeah no. Sure, there was rumoured an eel in the in the lake which would eat the legs of children who fell in. I went to St Mary's Primary, which is which is uh, just a few hundred yards from from Barnes Park. Nice. So the the legend of the eel spread about that far. Very pleased, yeah. Yeah, good. And did you? Did you the seafront's looking lovely as well. If you're right. interested, Richard. I'm not, I'm not. I'm more interested in Barnes Park. It's the biggest park in Sunderland. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you? Which uh, you would think with Mowbray Park being in the town centre. Yeah. But no. When you were going to the town centre, did you prefer the five or the thirty-five bus? Well, I used to get. Oh, now let me think. I, I think it was the thirteen I got oh, in okay. into town. But I was close enough to walk, only being at the barns. It wasn't that far, as oh, I'm okay. sure you'll know. I, yeah. I did. I'm very, very aware of all of that. Uh, so. <laughs> And there's a great, I don't, is this a truth? The one thing I found in it, I like going back to old interviews, and they thought this sounded like an interesting story that was just mentioned, but you skipped PE lessons at school in quite a, an imaginative way. Do you remember this? Oh, by buying the prefects badge? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, no, that was just, it just seemed quite practical to me. Um, so, yeah, there was, a, I just realised that the prefect badge, they'll never have his back now, um, at school. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have the best time at school. You know, it was it was easy to be easy to be different when and where I grew up. I think, and uh, so yes, didn't like going to lessons very much. And so I just thought, well, where do they get those badges, like the prefect badges and the librarian ones? And of course, it was just from a shop in town. <laughs> so I just went and bought one of each, and then instead of going to PE, which I now regret because I think I disengaged <laughs> with sport when I was about eleven, which is like the classic girl thing to do. And yeah. It's quite sad in some ways, but. I did go and I just used to sit in the library wearing my librarian's badge, reading the Melody Maker. <laughs> and there was only one time when the teacher who was in charge of the library kind of like half rumbled as he came in and he went, when did I make you a librarian? And I just went, ages ago. 
Anyways, Look, I've like, got the badge. Where would I get the badge from? Yeah, check it out. And um, <laughs> no, no, it was great. So obviously, subsequently, all of the kind of melody maker learnings, they've been quite useful. Um, yes. You've been a DJ at Six Music now. That's, that comes in quite handy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, at the time, it wasn't really clear where that was brilliant going. brilliant the way that that worked. It's like the cold it's or something. Yeah, look, I'm allowed to go out. I've got a badge. I've got a badge. No one goes, no, you're not, you're not a librarian. Oh, he's got, she's got the badge. And you'd think the bloke at the shop would be un, under some kind of contract. He wasn't sell, bothered. He was just, you know. Just thought, I've sold two more badges. Yeah. 50p. Exactly. I Good. think as well, it's one, of the, it's one of those sort of early lessons where a lot of it was because my dad, because I'm from a family of teachers, right. you know, you've kind of seen the other side of it. So, like, you've actually seen your dad sitting marking degree papers just being like really frustrated that this certain university's candidates never put their candidate number in the right place or that people can't spell and so I kind of got the sense quite early that actually if you weren't if you were making someone's life kind of easy not really getting in the way they probably just want a quiet life do you know what I mean was the vibe so when it came to exams and stuff I'd always kind of try and and make sure that I just punctuated, made it easy to read, made it kind of make sense. So they want to give you the mark, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was that kind of thing. He didn't want to have to have the conversation. I just had to say it was ages ago. We could both know it was a lie. <laughs> but, you know, perhaps that was that was how I felt it went anyway. It's, it's good. Uh, but you, I think you said as well that you slightly regretted missing out on going to college as a result of doing the is that is, do you think yeah I mean I went to college I did A levels right. and then uh, and then I didn't go to university I had a place to go to university but put that off uh, because then the band got the record deal mm. I mean A levels was funny because the band was at the same time so it was like properly doing your coursework in the back of a van full of roadies kind of thing yeah. which was quite I always think, like, you know, at some point, there's something I've got to write about that, about being kind of partially raised by roadies. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like the, the wisdom of the road crew is just, like, that's so... I, I got to do, there's an, um, you know, doing my job, I'm sure you do a few, like, awards ceremonies yeah. and stuff. One of my favourites, if you ever get to go, you should, although it is a hard drinking event, is the kind of road crew, roadies, light and riggers, technicians, awards. Um <laughs> And this, they arrive at 9am and start drinking and it starts at 9pm. <laughs> it is hard fucking core. But also, the you can imagine the rig because it's just all their best gear. So it's like an episode of The X Factor and nobody is nominated by their actual name. They're all called things like Paul, Young Paul, Big Kev, <laughs> Phil the Greek. Like, the, everybody's nominated by their nicknames, and it's just the best vibe. Like, I, and I, I love that. Being in a band, that was one of my favourite things, was, like, knowing all the road crews. I mean, yeah. I mentioned Paul and, and Young Paul. They were actually a father and son, right. two roadies <laughs> that I knew who used to roadie for me, ex-boyfriend's band, and they were just fabulous people. Yeah. And so that, that there's something about, like, being a teenage girl and... You know them kind of like taking taking you under their wing a bit, and yeah. you know if you get a bad throw, they'll kind of make you some weird tincture to fix it. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> there was a one guy who just used to he used to love wild swimming before that was even a thing, and he had this long hair. And like whenever you'd get to a town that was near the sea, he just used to jump out of the van, <laughs> just out the lights, he'd just be off, and you'd know that he'd just gone to find the sea and swim in it. <laughs> We'd usually turn up in time for loading, but not always. <laughs> he was roading for Kasabian last I saw. Him. 
still around. That's the, the my kind of equivalent of policemen getting younger. As soon as I knew the roadies before I knew the bands, I was like, oh, there's been a shift here. But you read a lot. Did you enjoy Kurt Vonnegut's Man Without a Country? Oh, I love that, yeah. yeah. I've read that a few times now. Okay. It's got Vonnegut's Blues in it, which is uh, one of the... It's probably my favourite essay about music. It's absolutely amazing. Right. Yeah, I've never read it. Good. I've been, like, your Instagram uh, feed is very useful in terms of finding... <laughs> I know everything you've been doing for the, forever. Uh, it's very exciting. You were a zombie in Shaun of the Dead as well. I was actually their first zombie. And I, so I, I'm not on, in the film, but in the DVD extras, I'm the first one because um, when they were uh, going for funding, Edgar Wright, who directed and, and wrote it as an old mate of mine, and um, he said uh, they, they just needed some of their friends to be made up uh, as zombies so that they could show people from the film companies like what it would look like. So we all went down to this studio in the middle of nowhere and it was like me and Simon Pegg and a few other, and they were all like, everybody else was like proper actors. And I was so shit. Like, I cannot <laughs> tell you how shit I was. Um, it was awful, but it, it was, it was kind of lucky because I was so thin in those days and so pale. They just went, well, do you first. You won't take much. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to make her reasonably fresh because she's a bit like that anyway. So they just kind of put like, uh, yeah, a bit of dark, yeah. Uh, circles in there and then I, cu I couldn't keep a straight face because it was so ridiculous so I think in the DVD extras it's just Simon Pegg calling me giggle zombie and laughing <laughs> but obviously they did then get the funding and make a film and yeah. then a few years uh, well quite a few years later Edgar did this little short so when uh, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez released they released a double bill together that was designed to be watched as a double bill Yeah. and Edgar because he's made both of theirs made a fake trailer for a 70s horror in the middle so I I'm in that oh. as a zombie, um, and so I was, I'm, I'm a, a kind of flapper 1920s zombie, right. unsuccessfully sexing up Mark Gatiss <laughs> with a feather boa. Um, so you know, I kind of like eventually got on screen, yeah. but it took a while. Wow, that's good. I'm impressed with myself for getting that out of you. Uh, so I'm going to ask you some emergency questions. I've, the, what I've been doing this series on the emergency questions partly is. Um, Googling what is a good question, and uh, God, I've never then, done that. How have I never then, done that? Then see what comes up. So these are some of the uh, some of the questions. Such a good idea, Richard. This, this is, is like uh, I'm learning here. This is from BuzzKenya.com. Go on. Is there anything purple within ten feet of you? Well, yes, but I can't see it. Is the obvious answer to that. <laughs> It's an odd question, isn't it? I don't think it's, it's like for when you're on the phone, it's just that's a question. As a date, that's a question to ask on a date. They're just testing whether the person can distinguish. I think it might be in Prince's house. Like, <laughs> like, oh, it's weird. All right, uh, this is a new one. This is from buzznigeria.com. Which are your two favourite careers and why? <laughs> I don't think they have to be your own careers. My, my, they what, do, your, what are your two favourite careers? Just generally? Yeah, and why? Okay, um, my two favourite careers, number one, I'm going to say paramedic, okay. because, you know, what a great contribution they all make to, uh, to our quality of life and the lengthening of lives. And uh, number two, I'm going to say teacher, because okay. I think, you know, teachers are, teachers are the underrated uh, heroes and superstars and all that stuff. That's true. All my family are teachers, so they'll, be, they'll like you now. If they, watch, they, don't watch, they don't really like me, so they'll be watching this. <laughs> But, uh, okay, this is from Ali's Randomage. 
Have you ever flown a kite? Yes. Yeah, yeah many times. Yeah. Pretty well. I mean, you know, growing up in a, in a seaside town, obviously, coastal, a kite is classic kind of uh, British beach yeah. thing, isn't it? But I most recently read, flew one in Cornwall last year. And it was, it went, it was, it was really good. The kids were really impressed. I very rarely do things that impress me kids. Yeah. And that was one of them. So I was really kind of milking it. When I went out with Julia Swallow, I was mentioning backstage, she was quite obsessed with kites. She, ne- she nearly died about three times in, in our short relationship. <laughs> she was run over. She was nearly properly run over again when we were on holiday. Oh, no. And once she went to this kite festival and then she had, then we had this quite high powered kite. And she said to the guy, can I have a go? And he said, yes. And she grabbed it and took off. <laughs> She's only weird, <laughs> Wow. So uh, that, was, that would be my Yeah, there's story. a lot of, yeah. yeah. Oh, you really have to... She was li- have li- to... Off the, lifted off the ground. They grabbed her. There's nothing of her, but, yeah. You know, How far was... did she get? How... She quite a little way, you know, yeah. she was airborne. That's bit... like a three seconds of <laughs> abject terror. It, is. it sounds like quite an uh, you know, dr- adrenaline-soaked relationship, though. It was, you know. I kind of was hoping she would die, to be honest. But she, uh, <laughs> she by that stage... <laughs> Because wow. when, when you're that age, it's, I knew I wanted to get out of the relationship, but it's really hard, isn't it, to get out of relationships? If someone dies, that's, that's an easy way out. No, no, no I, don't, I wouldn't have murdered her. You um, are an awful, <laughs> awful man. I am quite bad. Um, MarshallJonesJr.com, 100 questions to ask people. Think that counts? Go on. Have you ever tried sushi? Well, sure, Marshall and Richard. Uh, the answer is yes. Yeah. I enjoy sushi from time to time. Well, I'm vegetarian, so it tends to be quite boring. Just oh, okay. the basic California roll for us. Yeah. Not any fancy schmancy stuff. You know, they've all been good questions. They've all got something. I love that. Have you ever tried sushi? It's like, how can I be sophisticated? I'll ask my date, have you ever tried sushi? Yeah. That is, yeah. That is someone who's never spoken out loud to another human being. <laughs> I mean, God love him, whoever he is. It's hard though, isn't it? I mean, interviews are funny. Like, as, yeah. a, as someone who interviews people for a living, yeah. a part of me, big part of my job anyway, like, it can be, it can make it, you are probably quite a shit interviewee, I think, because, you, you know, you're, you're more, I'm more used to asking questions than yeah. answering them, for sure. But also, I think it, when you've got a brilliant interviewer like me, I will ask. Because <laughs> I've been interviewed as well. I know, you know, mo- yeah. most people don't ask, you know, is there anything purple within 10 feet of you? And that is what makes... You know that's yeah. what makes me different than everyone except the person who came up with that question. It's thinking outside <laughs> the box. That's what it it's is. all about, isn't it? I got fed up with people stealing my emergency questions, so I thought I'd steal other people's emergency questions. People keep on asking my emergency questions on their podcasts and stuff to fake properly famous people. Oh, really? People that I can't get, like Jodie Foster. You know, no offence. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she'd rung up today and said... Yeah. Can yeah, I do it? I said, I've just gone, oh, Lauren, it's not happening. To be fair, it's been cancelled. To be fair, I would hope that you could be honest and I'd go, yeah, that's fair, dude. This is Jodie Foster. But she did. Tallulah from Bugsy Malone, I fuck off. Yeah. But she didn't. Oh, I do a thing uh, called Citation Needed for your Wikipedia page. If there's a citation needed, oh. I'd, I'd, I'd like to sort it out. Yours, you've got one citation needed on yeah. your Wikipedia page. It's not a very good one, and you'd think this would be quite easy for someone to find out. It says, she has been a panellist on Just a Minute. Citation needed! Have you I, been a panellist? I haven't. No. Oh, I've never done Just a Minute, wow. actually. So that is uh, unbelievably for Wikipedia. Incorrect. They were right to put citation needed up there, weren't they? Whoever, whichever 
person went, I'm, I'm in my Wikipedia page because I edit my own Wikipedia page. <laughs> but surely everyone, I mean, you would do, and I don't add... But it, add, it changes back, right, if you haven't got, if you're not a, one of the, uh, the people, the um, wiki Illuminati no, no, who are allowed to actually access it and edit, it just changes back. Well, if they don't like it, but anyone's allowed to edit anything. So I edit it openly under my own name, and it's not like I'm going in... Uh, and, and just put, fa- put? just put facts in, and then they've gone. You know, this page now needs looking at because. But I have never. I don't put Rich Herring as the greatest comedian ever, though that doesn't even need a citation. <laughs> that is, doesn't doesn't even need a link. It's just true. Uh, you know, I just like to say I did a series. You know, he he. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not an idiot. He did. <laughs> <laughs> I love him, it was the only first person Wikipedia page I did. But you're not allowed to put... And it just got really emotional. <laughs> but I, I... Like halfway through, it just became like a really personal, like deep, dark, confessional, like dark night of the soul. Yeah. And then kind of goes into, you know, <laughs> filmography or whatever. But I kind of like that the, the people who are, you know, who are the gatekeepers of Wikipedia are so, I mean, they're so humorless for a start and they're so, they take themselves very, very seriously. So they're kind of, this, whoever it is now, there's a big thing saying, warning, this page is, is edited by someone close to the subject. <laughs> uh, you know, I think like, if I was doing it under a false name, then that would be, I don't think that's what it you, you don't know you people because, you know, you're not interesting enough to have a Wikipedia. <laughs> but I... I- the only time I've ever looked at mine, yeah. because obviously Laverne isn't my real name, when I needed to get a visa to work in America, I, I had to print it off and take, like, take it in to the US Embassy to sort of show them that, because, you know, sometimes you're working under this other name, so yeah. it's a little bit complicated to explain that, well, I'm, I'm going to do this job, but it's under this... And, and that was, like, absolutely harrowing. Because <laughs> I hate reading anything about myself or looking at yeah. anything like that. And did they say, hey, it says you were on just a minute here, but I happen to know you were I'm not. a big fan of the show, man. <laughs> You're lying to a federal officer. <laughs> you this wait. is US soil. Well, what we have to do is either you have to go on just a minute to make it true. Yeah. Or I'll just Possibly. go and delete it. I think I'm allowed to delete stuff off your page. Go for it, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change loads of stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, and let's have a look. So, um, yeah, well, I was on Late Night Women's Day. I mean, you've got an amazingly diverse career where you do, you've written a novel, you've... You were presented on all of the radio stations One, in the two, world. One, two, three, four, five, and six now. Yeah. <laughs> BBC-wise, how about yeah. we? No, I've still Not, got What few. about seven? No LBC yet. Um, seven, yeah. No, I haven't done seven yet. That's relatively new. But What about the, the one extra? No, one X. One I need X. to get on one. Need yeah. to, you know, maybe I could do... A, you could do a, a little simulcast or something. If yeah. there's a band that's got enough crossover, that'd be okay. good. Uh, but I, I, I was re- there's a very good uh, programme Late Night Women's Hour how many hours do women need though really if, um, that is, that is t- that's two hours they've got now I know it's, it's gone too far yeah, hasn't it really this uh, women's lib it's political greatness I, I thought it was going to be like Hollyoaks After Dark which I this is the second time I've referenced that programme today um, it was from 2004 Hollyoaks After Dark that's a 12 year old reference <laughs> Uh, but it was disappointing and it was all men on when I did it it was it was interesting actually because it was the only one I've ever done we've done quite a few now where it was an all male panel and because it's normally all female 
Um, but it was about masculinity, that episode. And it was really interesting, the difference in, you know, between the usual kind of, you were all standing up, like pouring <laughs> each other wine, like everybody was shouting. It was a lot more voluble than, although not all weeks, because some weeks, it, uh, some months it could be kind of, you know, equally shouty and, and, and it doesn't really matter what the gender of the guest is. But it was quite, it was a different atmosphere, which was interesting. Yeah. Obviously, once they You're legging the, each other on. The you know? subject's masculinity, so the call came straight through to Richie Herring. <laughs> this guy. So get, let's get him on. This he'll, guy. He'll tell you all about it. There was a real prick guy on that. I really hated him. Should have had a fight with him. I can't, I can't think who you mean, Richie. <laughs> but so, I mean, this, it's quite a diverse... So you're doing the Glassbury coverage yep. and, pop, and pop music and you're doing this... It's a very thoughtful show, the uh, Woman's Hour. It's, it is. It's, yeah. quite, it's quite thinky. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I mean, it's a mix, really, and uh, co-founded a website, which I spend a lot of yes. time working on as well, the pool, um, which we're very proud of. And... Um, I do things like I do actually just released an album on iTunes. Have you? Yeah, because I do a kids show now. So I do uh, a CBeebies um, show called Tea and Mo, which is really lovely. So it's just really funny because that was the first singing I'd done in in like 18 years where they said, oh, this has got songs. You know, do you want to do a couple? So I did. And then they've done an album on iTunes now. So it was really sweet and really it just that (laughs) felt like the right reason to kind of do singing again to me. But I did feel very old that like iTunes hadn't been invented the last time. It's like, wow, that's not good, is it? That's awesome. Do you get to hang out with the other CBBS presenters when you work on CBBS? No, I mean, we it's just just voice at the minute, but I'm hoping that there'll be some kind of like symposium, yeah. like corporate away day. I'd like to do some trust exercises with Mr. Tumble. Yeah. I'd just like to fall into his arms. I know he would catch me. I think he's... I, Mr. T- I'd really like Justin and Mr. Tumble, the two different guys. Uh, it's, uh, Justin, in particular, takes any opportunity to do a slapstick. It's so... It's, it's so, very physical work. Very well, physical it's just comedy. like... It's, I think it spoils the slapstick because he'll, he has to ma- manoeuvre things into his face, basically. So if he was drinking some water, it'd be like, oh, I'll have some water. Oh, it's literally that. I mean, that is not funny, is it? need more than that you can't just chuck stuff I just like that this is like it's spoken with the kind of siege mentality that develops in the parent of young children who just can't escape and you are going to spend however long with Mr Tumble and you know with the something special guys and you just have to you just have to bear down on that pain he's a phenomenon though isn't he I mean it's amazing because you would to look at him you wouldn't think He's going to go on to be a very successful children's entertainer. You think he might go on to be very something with children? He might be the most successful in a different branch of working with children. But you wouldn't think, because you know he's just like a bloke, and he's just a chubby bloke. Have you ever seen the footage of um, Camp Festival Festival when Mr. Tumble does a live PA and he comes on stage? And I mean, if you think Rudimentals fans go bonkers at a festival, <laughs> when they go, like the kids go absolutely apeshit. Like, and it's the, the camera's shaking and ah! it's terrifying. It's, it's an amazing. empire. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's amazing. But I, I watch, I haven't seen your show. It's on your show. What time is it on? I think, well, at the minute, it's it's really new. So yeah. we've just done a couple. So we did, uh, they had played one of the songs out as the bedtime song okay. a few weeks ago. So they're kind of coming round a bit. Because I tend to watch it when I've woken up at six o'clock in the morning yeah. and I don't want to do anything. Yeah. So I put it <laughs> on. kind of thrown out. <laughs> yeah, watch yeah. this. Uh, and this it's very good. She like My daughter loves uh, watching everything, but I watch from about six till eight. So I don't think you're on at that time. No, I'm not. But, but if you get the app, when yeah. she's probably a bit small for it now, but we've got uh, kind of games. Uh, so we're one of the, the tea and more. There's a selection of games. Oh, no, we've got that, that somewhere. We voice. Well, I'm, I'm in that. This, like, there's, a, there's a going to the toilet game, which okay. my kids find that I have voiced hilarious. <laughs> They're like, mummy says poo. Like any time anything like that happens. It happened on the Turner Prize coverage a couple of times, to be fair. <laughs> Um, they quite enjoyed that where we'd had yeah we'd had some kind of uh, coprolite sculpture that I was discussing <laughs> and then sometimes it comes up during tea and more you know just swings around about I'm doing a lot of uh, I'm doing modern art at the moment I'm in, I'm in a modern art festival oh, are you? I just mentioned it I don't think it'll have gone out yet uh, it's called Tempting Failure it's, a, it's transgressive art oh right so the man on before me is cooking his own poo Bold. and there's a lady in the next room I think doing karaoke with her vagina We've all been there. And I'm playing myself at snooker and commentating on it. <laughs> I genuinely am. I'm very much looking forward to it, but I'm a big fan of uh, I'm transgressive just, arts. I'm trying to picture the uh, dressing room situation backstage <laughs> as everybody's prepping for a show. Richard just chalking his cue, feeling a little bit self-conscious. Well, They're all looking again. That guy doesn't even get his genitals out at all. He doesn't, doesn't urinate or anything. Yeah. I think I might. He just flushes afterwards. What's that about? <laughs> I think I might try and piss in a glass during it. It's going to be filmed though. Yeah. But I probably can do it. I'm, you know. Might trying to think, yeah, uh, I think the last time I handled still warm urine yes. during a broadcast was <laughs> when the uh, traffic jam around the Brits had been quite long and yeah. uh, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers had done a piss in a bottle and then gave it to me to hold while I interviewed him. <laughs> and, you know, if there were... Because people think, like, showbiz is all ritzy glitzy and stuff. But there are always plenty of those moments to bring you back down to Why earth, where you're like, wow, this is, mate, this is a bit hot. Like, <laughs> are you okay? I did give it back to him at the end. Yeah, he wanted it back, presumably, because he could have just put it on the floor and just tipped it away. I mean, well, it was on the, to be fair, it was on the red carpet, oh, so okay. I'll just give you that. That doesn't stop the red hot chilli peppers, that's the, They're crazy. In the words of their song. But all of their wees are all exactly the same. We after we. <laughs> All exactly the same way. I hate the red hot chili. I hate the red hot chili peppers. I used to. You're not allowed to say that when you're on. So when I would, when I did six music, I would. We'd play the red hot chili peppers, and I go, I hate them. That is shit. They're all, so I didn't say shit, but they're all. The, all their songs are exactly the same, and I would get into trouble because you're not allowed to say what you think. We're not allowed to say bad things about. Music. Is that still the case? Um, no, it's not still the case. Uh, I mean, I think you can kind of broadly say what you want. I think that's a bit, for me, that would feel a bit rude. Like yeah, if it I get to... yeah, No, it's not as rude as releasing the same song over and over again. <laughs> I'm getting I'm earning millions of dollars. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, Rich. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, hopefully it wouldn't come up. I try and, you know, there's a, occasionally there might be one that I'm not so keen on that yeah. we're kind of supporting as a station and I try and okay. just, you know, if you can't say anything nice and all that. 
Yeah. Just do a simple back ref and leave it at that. That's, that's why you're still on Six Music and I'm, and I'm not. So, uh, mainly, not just that. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll go to, I'm, I've got more new emergency questions I'm very keen to try out. Um, what do you consider to be the most mediocre chocolate bar? That is, oh. uh, that is my, that's my one. That's a good one. Thank that's you. a really good one. I'll tell you what I think it is. I think it's the ripple. What's mm. the point? What is the fucking point of a ripple? It's yeah. just like, it's not quite a flake. It's not, it hasn't got anything interesting in it. It's no. just, all, it, all it's got is more of the same, but in ripple form. But it's not actually flaky. No. It's just like, why bother? There's it's, no biscuit in there. There's no caramel. Are you joking? It's slightly like they lost confidence as well, wasn't it? They kind of think, we'll make a, we'll make a flake. And they went, oh, but what if that's too flaky? Yeah. Let's cover it in chocolate. Yeah, it is, I mean, it's like, it's got... It's got air in it, but it's not enough of a feature to call it an arrow. <laughs> Pathetic. Good. Get out. Uh, if you could murder one person and have an 87% chance of getting away with it, <laughs> who would that person be? Wow. Um, I, I know, I, I, um, you know, to quote Lovejoy in Game of Thrones, yeah. violence is a disease and you don't cure it by spreading it to more people. <laughs> It was an emotional episode, that. I can't believe he was only in it for five minutes. Well, let's not not do any spoilers. Let's not. The other day, when after the Hodor episode, I just put, oh, Hodor, meaning, oh, that's why he got his name. And before, because I'd seen it on. Oh, and you got told And everyone, I literally just put, oh, Hodor. Mm. And then people go, spoilers! You well, go, it's I not think a spoiler it's... to mention the name of a character. This, no. oh, you know, because they say, well, that means he's going to die. And it, what well, he did die. They should try. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't what I meant, though. So they weren't. That's. I was just going. Oh, that's why he's called Holder. Those Holder. people. People are really sensitive about spoilers these days, right? Yeah. They should try growing up with my dad, and and looking for a film to watch on Sky Movies on a Saturday night, because he literally just sit there going, he dies. That's sad. <laughs> They're being harvested for their organs. <laughs> and just like go through the entire list and it's like that. And you're like, Dad, I haven't seen any of these. You won't watch. Won't with watch that anything. though, with that Game of Thrones episode, right, where Holdor, Holdor was. Well, Holdor was holding the door. <laughs> Everyone was shouting at him, hold the door at the time. Was it necessary for Bran to go back into the past to implant that in his brain so that he just said that for the rest of his life? <laughs> and if he was going to do that, why didn't he go? say, don't go into the dream state and touch the ice bloke. That's what he should have been saying all the time. And then wait for the other bloke to come with you. Don't do it on your own. He could have been saying that all the time. Yeah. And then when he got there, oh, that's why he says that. Because I, I must have gone back and programmed him to do that. I mean, as much as I love Game of Thrones, yeah. and I do very much enjoy it, I think if you're going to start picking apart the shimmering and uh, beautiful tapestry that it is. All the things he could have stopped by going back in the past, and he hold the door for a bit, which he would have done because they were shouting hold the door at him, but not very long. They were pretty much straight out there, weren't they? It was all these people... No, I don't want to spoil it for anyone if you haven't seen this episode. But they were pretty much all just bang, 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 we're out. He, he delayed them for two minutes while the others were literally going... Ah, ah, through the snow, like crawling through the snow, where these white walkers come in at speed. Wasn't a very good thing to... He ruined Holdor's life. I'm just waiting for the big face-off between the White Walkers and the dragons, because I know it's coming, fire and ice. Like, it's so obviously inevitable. Um, I hope it doesn't disappoint. Fire's going to win that, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. 
That's what we're hoping for. The yeah. White Walkers are absolute twat. Because, uh, <laughs> well, no, but if, they, if it's icy and there's a fire, the ice doesn't stop the fire, does it? Like, the fire still goes. But if, it's, if you put fire on some ice, the ice melts. So fire is definitely the winner. I feel like this is a really weird mixture of, like, a chemistry lesson and also rock, paper, scissors. Well, it is. <laughs> what but on need... stage in front of people like a stress dream. What, what they need is a big bucket of water. <laughs> That's what they need. That would a big bucket of water against some fire. The big bucket of water. <laughs> Back to Mr. Tumble again, yeah. Think about <laughs> yes. it. It's literally that every time he's already done it, and then he does it again. It's literally that. It's not his I'm fault. She's really, waking up early. You do know it's not his fault that she wakes up at six thirty. Yeah. He's just on then. He's not even awake. <laughs> Mr. Tumble is asleep on on a bed of ermine, surrounded by. Whatever it is that he was doing the night before. <laughs> having, a, having a lie in. <laughs> what do you think about Robert the robot from um, Mr. Tumble's house? <laughs> would, not... you, do you, would you think if you had sex with Robert the robot, would that be count as cheating or is it alright? Because he's a robot. He's a robot. And he's not a very attractive robot. Would your husband divorce well, you, you think, if you had sex with Robert on, the robot? My only thought on Robert is that yeah. he's very much not... I'm probably not his type. I think that's true. <laughs> because he would go for it. He's got... There is a, a female robot. I've yet to see her yet. There's a Roberta Robert the robot. I think they're probably so just this, good friends. This guy is very excited by the robot chat. Has had to go... Has had to go and... He's going off to think about Robert the robot. <laughs> oh God! Ian Lee's calling me from last week. Look at that! That's from from a different time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, from two weeks ago. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, do, do you think it's? I'm, I'm, I had a big argument with my wife about whether having sex with robots should count as cheating. Right. Uh, Her take, I'm guessing, was no. Yours she was said, yes. Yeah, I said broadly. So, yeah. Uh, I was talking to uh, Victoria Corrin about it last night and she said it was fine to have sex with uh, robots because they're not human beings. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I think it doesn't count as cheating. It probably no. implies that there are some problems in your relationship that you might want to <laughs> might want to address. But, um, you know, it's not the same as having sex with a human. It's just a sure. fancy thing. <laughs> well, it was like on, on the internet today. It's, yeah. uh, they've invented one that you could do that too, I think. I, I'm not satisfied with the quality of any of the robots thus far. I've, they have to be as good as Gemma Chan in uh, Humans. That is, that is as far as it goes. So, it throws out some interesting philosophical questions, though, if you have sex with robots. I, I wasn't going to talk about this this series, but... But here we are. Let's do it. Let's probe. Because, like, in the future, if you could make any robot look like any person, mm -hmm. then you could, as a horrible, seedy person, you could choose... To make, you know, I, someone could choose to make a sex robot of anyone and then make pornographic films of them, and then it's your who owns your image, Lauren. If someone, if you decide, if someone was making a sex robot of you, yeah, without your permission, does that who owns your image? Well, that's... once you're long dead, and someone says, I wouldn't have sex with you, <laughs> <laughs> Kanicki, from when they were 17, I'm not sick. <laughs> Let's hope I never live to see that thing. <laughs> I've said too much. Uh, should, should penis transplants be allowed, in your opinion? Yes. Really? Yeah, sure. Why not? 
Well, it opens a brave new, well, a tragic brave new world where it's good for like people who've lost their penis in an accident. Yeah, exactly. Or people who've got cancer of the penis. Yeah. It's one of the worst cancers. Uh, and um, it is. Why are you laughing at that? Uh, and uh, I'm only laughing at them like he's back. Now he's here. Now he heard that. The minute he heard the cancer penis stuff, uh, <laughs> got to get back for that. Um, but what if pe- that means like rich people, rich men in mm. palaces could say, oh, I fancy my penis isn't good enough. I heard Richard Herring's got an amazing the, penis. The, I'll hunt him down like an animal and then I'll get his penis and then I'll have his penis. But then this opens up a further philosophical yeah. question, which is probably the reason that most rich men certainly make their own money and motivated to get rich in the first place. Will, 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 you know, will the billionaires and the kind of people who show their wealth off yeah. Will they ever get to that point? Maybe they'll just be like, now I can afford the penis transplant. That's what this was all about. <laughs> no need for mansions and sports cars for me. I have a massive dick. Yeah. Do you think if you get a penis transplant, you're allowed to choose the penis from a tray of penises, or do you think you just get what you're given? I'm so not an expert. This, this but... is the choice. There's been three penis transplants in, that, have, uh, that have taken... Uh, which I'm, I'm really impressed with that. I, mean, some, you know, I've, I know a lot about the penis, so I'm amazed that they've got to the stage. Yes, where I enjoyed your penis podcast Thank you very, very much. much. Uh, but you know, it's if you could just, you know, I mean, I know if you've, you, you know, you've, it's Hobson's choice, isn't it? But you should be able to choose a little bit. Go, well, I'd like that one. Yeah, I imagine I you want, get a bit you, of say. They're not just going to like give you an extra bit. They're not, not <laughs> even going to discuss it with you. Don't worry, we'll improvise. We've got this. <laughs> You're fine. Well, you're right, you know, and then kind of putting you under. Like, that's not how it goes. They don't do it with livers and stuff. They don't think, do you like this liver? They go, you get whichever. You go, that liver is, matches you, so you've got to have that liver. You still so get choice this, pen- this penis matches you. And you go, well, it's not, I don't like that one as much. And what <laughs> if the penis... The next one to come up. What if the penis has, like... Uh, <laughs> okay. What if the penis has... Uh, you know, people say men think with their dicks. What if the penis retains the memories of the previous... Oh, the, wow. The previous person? How, how poignant. <laughs> I think like there's a lot of things to worry about before we just go I know, think that could, be, that could be a really good book, though. Yeah. Like the penis's memories of the last person yeah. and then the new person. and That could be, that could be really moving. Yeah, good. I, I concur. Uh, Book a prize for sure. <laughs> uh, which celebrity death in 2016 has hit you the hardest? Oh, God, There's a lot to been, choose from. It has been awful. Um, I mean, Bowie was, was, was such a shock. Yeah. Uh, and Prince was such a shock as well. They were, they were easily, for me, the, the two worst. You know, it was funny because um, uh, I, I was thinking, you know, everybody's been saying, oh, 2016's like really terrible. And I, I looked up to see how other years had compared and it is unusually bad. Um, but apparently part of that is because we've got more famous people now. It's just to do with uh, the way that media changed over the 20th century. So yeah. we have more people uh, be- more people becoming famous all the time. So we're kind of starting to see this increase in deaths. But also, 1977 was terrible. Yes. Because that was the year Elvis, Charlie Chaplin, I think Groucho Marx died that year, uh, Maria Callas. It was tons and tons and tons of people. And Charles Bukowski had written a poem about it called It's, Weird, it's Strange When Famous People Die, mm. which was just after Elvis's death. So it's not like the worst year. 77 was worse, but pretty bad. Well, we haven't finished this year yet, so there's still... <laughs> 
still time. Terry Wogan, you were a big fan of Terry Wogan's, weren't you? Oh, well? yeah, that was desperate, yeah. Because I still, I can't, I was saying this the last time, but I still can't get it into my head that he's, because he's such a familiar presence. Yeah. I, it won't sink in. All the others have sunk in, but that one won't sink in for me. Not, and I wasn't a massive fan of his, I just can't envisage a world where Terry Wogan isn't, isn't in there. it. I think that's the funny thing, and that's the thing about, about uh, famousness, which is weird, which is such a kind of nebulous and, and non-existent thing in a lot of ways. I suppose the... The fame isn't dead, is it? The fame's no. still that's that's you know the bit that's still here, along with like the work and stuff. It's yeah, a it's funny the worst, thing. It's the worst kind of fame, though, isn't it? Posthumous fame. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna get, and it's I don't I don't want it. I want the fame now, and all the money in the cock transplants. <laughs> I want that now. I don't want to have to be dug up and then say be given a good cock on my skeleton. <laughs> Which Richard, I will you do. Go, which I will do. If you go first, I promise I won't let that happen. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. Do you have any predictions for the next uh, big celebrity death oh, of 2016? Oh, come on. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I don't, because I would never say such a thing, but I, I think like everybody else who loves music, you know, you go back to the records of your kind of idols who are, are getting on and you it's sort of like almost like you're keeping them alive by putting them on. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has done that, where it's like, ah! And then uh, obviously there was, um, you know, last year Joni Mitchell had been had been really really ill, and I know that when we were waiting to, thankfully she got better. Yeah. Waiting to kind of hear that she was getting better, everybody I know was kind of like getting caught and sparkled and like desperately kind of sitting over it. Yeah. It is that straight. It's a, it's a weird thing about. I mean, musicians especially. I think there is a loss there that is real because people can be very kind of like dismissive of oh it's just this social media grief and you never knew that person and whatever but actually if somebody's worldview has kind of become your worldview you've taken on that lens that they see thing the way they see things yeah. that's part you know it's part of but they become part of you so it is a it is a real loss it's not like you're mourning the kind of actual person you didn't know them but no. you know there's something real about it there was a big thing when Muhammad Ali died there was, I was listening to feedback on Radio 4 and loads of people were complaining that they'd been too much coverage of Muhammad Ali's death, which is, you know, bizarre. But, like, he's probably is an historical figure, you know. I mean, he's like a living... He was a living historical figure, but he's our general, you know, from our lives. Yeah. He will be remembered in 200 years' time. And there's no complaint about, oh, it's the, uh, the Queen's having another big party. There was, it's three months since the last one she had. <laughs> Uh, let's do 12 hours of coverage of, of, of this significant person. You've got to think as well, like, for, for you know, those guys and the, the, those complaints always come up. You've got to sort of think, mate, it's only a day. Do you know what I mean? It's only ever really one day yeah. that, that you give to a thing. And, and you know, luckily with on six, when uh, Prince died and when Bowie died, we were just able to chuck whatever we were going to do out the window and we made the shows up as we went along and just just played their music mm. and that was like it, it was weird because it was obviously like really really sad but it was also really f weird kind of fun it was my mum was saying she was listening to the Bowie one and she said it's a bit like you know when you're on the way to a funeral in a car with like the family and someone tells a joke and you start laughing even though you're really <laughs> really sad it was that kind of atmosphere so it sort of made a horrible day like a bit better in a weird yeah. way doing that well, when I die, people can play like some of my routines. I mean, that would be what would you like to hear? <laughs> so, um, no, no, let me ask you a I'd question like now. I'd like them to play the thing I've just did about uh, penis transplants. <laughs> I'd like that to be played so penis over and over again on Six Music. That's in your death, deathbed hours. montage, yeah? yeah? Anything else in there? No. No. <laughs> just, 
I don't think there'll be time. I don't, I don't think anyone will be ringing feedback going, you spent a long time on the death of Richard Herring on uh, the six o'clock news today. I well, it they'll... depends how you go, doesn't it, Richard? <laughs> it does, I suppose it does. <laughs> oh, I'll take a few with me, don't you worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> gotta laugh, haven't you? Uh, you'd have to laugh. Let's let's go back to some proper uh, Lauren Laverne because it's been it's lovely talking to you. You're very funny as well. So, uh, uh, talking of that, uh, you were on the ten o'clock show. So how did how did that was an amazing? Yes, uh, ten o'clock live. Yeah, ten o'clock live. I beg your pardon. I'm thinking of Ian Lee again. He's, literally he's, he's everyone in, he's called it. Literally everyone, even some of the people that worked <laughs> on it, called it the ten o'clock show. Yeah. It was, it, but it's an amazing line of people in it, and it's and it's a, it, this British go having a go at a topical satire show, and it did. I mean, I don't think it quite worked. Do you think? I don't know. I don't think it ever it quite kind of, gelled. No, it didn't. And uh, you know, it was a really good experience yeah. and really brilliant. Like I loved working with the team on it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, d I don't think it kind of. Uh, became everything that was everything that we kind of hoped in, in the execution probably and how did it was it it's a weekly show yes yeah so do you, were you writing your own bits on it and or was it yes. were you coming yeah we were, I, mean, I was working with a producer and yeah. you know writing it but I was more comfortable with actually I think the more we went on with it when I was allowed to be a host rather than kind of like put in more of a position of being a bit like a stand-up, like I was much less comfortable in that yeah. kind of role and much happier when I was able to do the job that I do. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, so I don't, because I don't, it's, it's obviously all those people in that show are so good, and it's, but it's, it seems to be the British thing of like, let's put loads of good things together and mash them up and see if it works. I did a show uh, which was a sort of similar Like trifle, you mean? Well, it, it sort of is. It's, you know, because it's, that's not... It, what, the, what, what do we do? Custard, <laughs> jelly, tin fruit, yeah. sponge cake. It's sure. got to work. Uh, but I, I, I wrote... One of the things I, first things I wrote on was a show called Stab in the Dark, which was a sort of similar thing. It was David Baddiel, funny enough, uh, Tracy McLeod, and Michael Gove was, uh, was on it as a, just out of university. Really? When he was a journalist and he, he did, like, political... I mean, he talked to like some anarchists or something. It was so, it was so embarrassingly bad. And had I known, you know, I had the chance. I've had a couple of chances to kill Michael Gove, <laughs> but I had a, you know, I could have, could have taken him out there. I'd be out of prison by now if I'd done it. <laughs> and we'd still be part of Europe. This is going out after the vote. So uh, this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I just think it's because it, it just you feel what well, is it? You know, John Oliver's gone to America as a British person and made a fantastic satirical show. Yeah. But I, you know, it's sort of weird within within the UK where we have so much uh, such a uh, history of satire that it, that show hasn't yet. I suppose probably since that was the week that was hasn't quite gelled, yeah. even though it's been tried many many times. I mean, I think the you know the reasons that 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 didn't quite work in the way that I'd hoped it are probably complicated and everybody involved and you know the, the on-screen team I thought was absolutely fantastic there's some great people on the the wider team as well but sometimes it's just like timing and when you do a thing and kind of what else is going on and it's it's there's a little bit there's a lot of kind of look to how these yeah. things cohere as, as well as anything else I mean obviously for me I wasn't the I wasn't a kind of comedian I was in there to keep the ship steady and because it was live make everything kind of run on time and the bits that I was doing could kind of shrink or expand depending on what was going on so I was I was doing the job that I do and I was you know really really happy to be involved yeah. 
But um, it was funny, it was, for me, it was like during a weird time because I'd just had my second baby and, you know, we'd, we'd actually having quite a hard time as a family. So it was very, it was the first thing that I'd done that wasn't like people just going, yay, this is great. <laughs> like the first time, you know, people had ever really sort of given us quite a hard time about something yeah. on uh, Twitter and, and stuff because all that was relatively Well, I guess that was a new well. thing. Yeah, so it was kind of like, at the time, it was a bit, it was confusing and I couldn't kind of really work out what was going on and apart from anything else I was just knackered because I had like a sort of nine week old baby when we started the work on the on the program um but then now looking back at it I kind of have a different view on it and I yeah. think there's, there's probably other things going on and the reasons that you know it didn't quite come together I think partly though as well the but you're right we need that like that show that kind of yeah. that it's needed especially now people still say you know people are like we need something like that on on British TV, and and I, I think we definitely do. And there's there's so many you know great comics who yeah. I think could do a great job. No, it. I think there are. Um, I, I sort of think like often though as well that something like that that show was so heralded even before you know publicised, wasn't it? It was billboards everywhere, and before That's, it's even started. Yeah, I mean, I think I, like if you've got to sort of dis- you've almost got to discover a show like that yourself, which with the people you had, I guess, was never going to happen. Cause I mean, I, I big names. actually did say that at the time. I felt like you know when the the thing about being on a station like Six is that it's very personal to people. You know, people find it because they love music, and mostly, well, ninety nine percent of the things I do, it's that kind of thing where it's just like you know it's a self-selecting audience you've come because you're interested yeah. and for me it was the first experience of um you know being on a billboard and this is going to be excellent and of course <laughs> the dynamic is just immediately like i'll tell you why it's shit that's uh, and that is that i suppose that's sort of big main mainstream entertainment in a yeah. nutshell and, and that's never something i've really been part of you know um so it was in lots of ways it was like it was kind of good to experience that and it fed into a lot of you know the decisions that I made after that because starting the website I probably wouldn't have done that if that had gone really really well right because I was like it's time I just felt like it was it made me trust my own opinion about things more and I was like actually I know a couple of things and I'm going to start something that you know and, and, and have something of my own and build my own team and I think I can kind of and and so that's yeah that that's, was you know that's been up and running a year now but it's, it's a year is it the pool the pools were going and yeah so that's a, a, a female is it all female journalists and it's uh, it's we've got one man on the team right um, but it's otherwise is it your brother again no <laughs> <laughs> he's in the commercial team Charlie he's okay. lovely he's quite new we had another one he didn't last that long to be fair um, but it is and um, yeah so uh, that is a, a women's website although we've got lots of male users as well yeah. and um, multimedia um, all sorts of you know news, politics, fashion, opinion, um, music, arts, culture, all sorts of stuff. Sure. I mean, it seems you like work very hard, and you say you have got two kids. I mean, how, how are you managing to? Because I'm not. I mean, this isn't me asking a woman about her kids because I've got a kid, and how the hell do you manage to do everything? Because I find it very difficult to do anything because of the the, the child. Taking yeah. Up, it, fucking idiot child taking up my time. <laughs> she's, she's all right. She's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, do you know what? It just is hard, isn't it? That's the thing. And like, I've, it's my husband is incredibly supportive and um, takes on tons and tons of childcare, and then. 
uh, to an extent, because I'm freelance and because I kind of am running my own business, I can, if something, I need to be there for something, I can, and I can be a bit selective about it. And, yeah. you know, so I'm not going to moan about it, but it's not like there's a magic kind of solution where, like, everything's fine. It's not, it's it's hard, you know. It's, yeah. it's like for anybody who's managing their, juggling a busy job and, and kids, it's like, you're tired a lot. Yeah. I was fucking knackered for, like, Eight, eight years, honestly. <laughs> like, eight, eight years. I am not kidding you. I was so tired. I used to dream about them. I, I used to dream that I went to work and they used to let us lie on the floor and go to sleep. <laughs> like, at me tiredest, I swear to God, I have had that dream. Um, and then now, you know, the little one is at school and that's been, like, a big change since September. Yeah. So it just feels like suddenly it's the, the people and I can kind of say to them, well, I'm going to do this, but then I'm going to have a short day tomorrow and, you know, I'll come pick you up from school or what, whatever it is. Yeah. But are you very... I mean, I think a lot of people I have on this show are very driven because it's very hard to become successful. But you've just, you know, from 15, you've been just getting out there and doing it and getting getting on with it and, yeah. and, and adapting and changing and, and finding, you know, then finding you can do the next, the next thing that comes along, you take it on and you can do it. I think I'm interested in other things and other people, though. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, uh, my dad always used to say, like, just find a job that you like and then you never have to go to work. And I think that's totally, totally true. I really took that on board. So I just try and follow... as You know, as long as the rent is paid and, the, you know, the mortgage is paid, like, I just kind of think you've got to follow what interests you and that usually leads to s stuff that is more interesting and yeah. you know it's like anything when people say oh how, how you know how do you become a presenter I really want to become a presenter I think wanting to be one is probably a bad start right. you've got to be interested in other things and other people and yeah. the people that you're working with and I'm compulsively interested in everything and I genuinely annoy myself with it because I can't <laughs> kind of like just settle on a thing and like okay so now you're just like the indie one who likes the indie music and it's like well i love all that but then what about everything else you know yeah and that's my brain but then also i think it's being if you're from you know the kind of family that, that i'm from it's really simple if your direction's just like up you know i think it's harder for now i look around at like my kind of well-to-do friends and their kids and i think well They've got to sort of choose, you know what I mean? If you're like 15 and at school and an idiot and then you kind of like end up on top of the pops or whatever, you're just kind of like, okay, doing this now. And then you just kind of like, you, you sort of keep going as long as you can, really. And yeah. with no expectation that it's ever going to carry. I mean, I, I would never take any of that for granted. So it's just like, it's quite straightforward in, in its own sort of way. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't happen for everyone. A lot, But I think a lot of people sit back and say, why isn't it happening to me? Or why is it happening to this person? And, you know, get cross about it. And I think the problem with that is, that, you know, there, there, aren't, there aren't, like you say, there sort of isn't reasons. I mean, sometimes someone gets selected for something and that thing takes off and it's just a bit of luck. Yeah. And sometimes it's not. But it's actually also not sitting back and, and wasting your time asking about it, just getting, getting on to the next thing. Well, that's it. You know, you can sit around all day and kind of post-rationalise about, like, oh, what did you do right or whatever. But it's really bullshit. You know, everybody's making it up as they go along everybody's trying the best to get through their day and their life and, and to be a good person. And, you know, you just got to kind of like, I think if, if you know what's important to you and you know what you actually give a fuck about, that's all you need. Because beyond that, like take that off your list, you know? And for me, it's like, it's pretty, I'm like 
boringly straightforward. <laughs> boringly straightforward. You know, I like the same four things I did when I was 15, you know? <laughs> Just like mates, records, clothes, family. That's it. That's all that's on my list. <laughs> so really, if you, if you kind of got those, if those things are okay. Uh, yeah. Well, from your Instagram feed, it looks like you have a very nice life, so I'd... I'd quite like to, if I could just get into that, through the, into the Instagram feed and live in there, I'd be happy. I'll put you on it, and okay, then you'll I'll be, be in it. And I'll be in it. And then I'll be really I, meta. And then can I move around in between it and meet Amy Schumer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's my next sitcom. Uh, what was Amy Schumer like when you met her? She was great. Was she? Yeah. Very sharp. Um, yes. And her and Bill Hader together yeah. was interesting. You know, that... Um, it's funny when American, a lot of the time, American kind of comics and bands come in on radio and radio here at BBC Radio is just not what the kind of radio landscape is in the US. So I think a lot of the time when people come in, they're Americans, their expectations are really low, you know? <laughs> they think you're going to be kind of like an idiot jock and then just play some awful music. and You know, you kind of play something they like and yeah. then are, are reasonably okay to talk to and they're just like amazed... <laughs> So sometimes it, it, it was one of those where they were like, huh? and then it sort of took a while to realise, oh, actually, we're in an okay place. And the listeners seem really clever. What's go what is this? Is this a podcast? Like... Uh, have you ever seen a ghost? Yes. I was... Uh, I don't remember it, but... <laughs> hey, hey, yeah? Here was out. Um, so I was two years old and we're living in a terrace house on Danville Road, which is quite far from the barns. It was before we yeah. moved there, Richard, okay. so you'll know that. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah part it, yeah. of the world. Um, <laughs> and um, apparently the house, me, our next door neighbour had been uh, exercised. There'd been an exorcism. Okay. She'd had a spirit in, she had, she, had a, she had a priest round. And he did an exorcism and apparently, according to my mum... I sat up in bed that night and there, my, my little bedroom door was opposite their little bedroom door and I sat up and went, who's that man? And my mum just went, lie down. <laughs> <laughs> and then kind of went to sleep really, really terrified. But I have no memory of it and I also don't believe in ghosts, but apparently that happened. My mum wouldn't make it up. She never tells a lie. She might just be trying to shit you up. <laughs> give, you, give you issues. Have you ever seen a Bigfoot? Never seen a Bigfoot, no. Can neither confirm or deny. Ah. Oh. That was going to be my big closing question. I thought that was, I thought that was going oh, to do man, it. I'm sorry. I thought that was absolutely going to do it. I wonder um, who the biggest person, that, the physically biggest person that I've ever interviewed is. I know um, Big Bang Hank from uh, the Sugar Hill Gang. Okay. Aptly named. He's enormous. He's How a big man is mountain. He? He's, he's kind of probably hordor sized. He's oh, like seven, you know, oh, wow. just shy of seven foot. Big fella. Yeah. What I remember. I've had Stephen Merchant on this. He's tall. He's tall. But I bet this other guy's broad as well. Stephen Merchant's like a stick. I used like to. Like a paedophile stick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say such things about. Sorry, it's a callback. <laughs> I'm a massive fan of his. Uh, I'll ask you one more question. From, I really am. I'll ask you one more question from. Um, <laughs> uh, from this, uh, from this, from these other, these new questions. Uh, if you had, this is from hellogiggles.com. If you had the option of adopting a baby fox or a baby koala, which one would you choose? Oh, I've got baby foxes in my garden at Have the minute, you? and they are adorable. Wow. 
Um, so, but I would go probably koala because okay. you'd be more popular, wouldn't you? If you had a koala. I think foxes would be lovely for a while. Yeah. Babysitting a baby fox, no problem. Don't want baby foxes in the house. I mean, it's all, I've got two sons, so it's yeah. already like being at a stag do all the time <laughs> in my house. Two little boys. Um, so I think foxes might get a bit of a handful, but yeah. koalas are pretty chill. They're are kind they of one big? of the... One of the stoner breeds of animal, aren't they? Well, I think because eucalyptus leaves are full of, like, basically heroin for them. So as well, long I, as they're eating eucalyptus leaves, they I can there. get some of them. That's yeah. not a problem. Well, you know, we'll be able to source eucalyptus leaves. I think they're quite vicious, though. Aren't they? Anyone know about uh, koalas? My audience's intelligence has dropped a long <laughs> way. Uh, since the, the more popular this show has become, the more stupid my audience has become. That is... Yeah, you could just ask a question like that and someone would come up and give you a PhD one of the terrible essay paradoxes. on it. It is awful. Terrible showbiz paradox that you're <laughs> experiencing live in this moment, Richard. Have you, uh, this is my own question. Have you got a celebrity shag list of five celebrities you're allowed to have sex with and still stay married? No, I haven't. Ah. No, I haven't. You should get one. Who would be on there if you were allowed? If your husband said it's okay? Because oh. the thing is, though, because you meet loads of celebrities, yeah. so it's dangerous for him. Most people, it's like a... <laughs> Hypothetical. Just yeah, hypothetical. if you ever met Sawyer yeah. from Lost my, my, to my wife, if that's hers, you can have sex with him. That's what I've said to her. She's never going to meet him, but you probably have met Sawyer um, from Lost. Yeah, I've, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Paul Rudd would be on there. Um, Paul Rudd? Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell. Okay. Uh, from Moon. From Moon, yeah. yeah. And also from, if you just Google Sam Rockwell dancing, from many, many... Highly watchable montages. <laughs> um, Tom Hiddleston. Okay. But yeah. he's a bit young for us, really. <laughs> but, you know, because he can dance as well, we'll let him on there. Okay. And then uh, your man with the evil teeth, the, the Irish. I've got a bit of a thing. Ricky Gervais. Little, <laughs> little kind of evil teeth that are actually on and off quite Gervais ish, to be honest. I don't know but, who yeah. that is. Jaws from James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. It's Nosferatu. Like, it's like a small Nosferatu. tooth in a yeah. gummy smile that just looks okay. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mine are all robots. It's mine. It's mine. It's Robert the robot. Roberta the robot. The Gemma Chan as a robot only as a robot. Your seventeen old year old you from Kaniki is a robot. <laughs> And your brother, just your brother, not as, he's the only one that isn't a robot, but from Kaniki as well, I'm not sick. Um, <laughs> we, might have to, uh, we might have to call it a day, it's been really lovely though, I've been, had a very nice time, is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, me too, thank you, I'd like to issue an appeal to the scientists of the future, yeah. um, please do not allow any of Richard's terrible, terrible dystopian <laughs> fantasies. <laughs> To come to pass. It's too late. I'm in your Instagram feed and I'm making them all happen. I've, I've transplanted a cock on Amy Schumer. So, so you go back, you'll look at that and go, ah, my yeah. past, it's been yeah. destroyed. You let You're me burning in. my beautifully, perfectly curated and filtered life. <laughs> it is beautiful. Uh, it's been fantastic having you. Thanks so much for coming. Lauren Lavoie, ladies and gentlemen. Lauren Lavoie. Thank you. You have been listening to Rich Chang's Lesson Square Theatre Podcast with me, Rich Chang, and my guest, Lauren Laverne. The music, as always, is by Pest. Listen to it. It's nice. Also, I would like to thank everyone at the Lesson Square Theatre. I'd like to thank everyone at Go Faster Strike. I would like to thank everyone at the British Comedy Guide. Uh, I'd like to thank Ian Tunes and you, Ewan Tune, who also help us put these things up. 
Uh, I would like to, as always, I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker, and uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and Go Faster Strike production. Thanks for listening to Lauren Laverne and me chatting. That was nice, wasn't it? Uh, hey, look, I'm back on tour next year, starting in September, actually, but mainly in uh, 2017. Go to richardherring.com slash gigs, and you can find out if I'm coming near to you. Some more might be added nearer the time, so don't fret if I'm not yet coming near to you. And a lot of those tickets are on sale, so uh, you could get well ahead of the game and start buying tickets. It's a best-of show with me doing my best, in my own opinion, 90 minutes of material. Uh, so it's a great one if you want to bring new people who've never seen me before, if you've never seen me before, or if you just want to relive those old favourites. Anyway, thanks for listening. We're back next week with more of this rubbish. <laughs>